0: The scripture lesson for today is the book of Matthew, chapter twenty-five, verses thirty-one to forty-six. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all His angels, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd, shepherd sets, separates the sheep from the goats, and He will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, And these will go away in eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Stephen. let us pray how grateful we are Holy God for the gift it is to gather here in your name to hear your word proclaimed to feel your presence your spirit among us to be renewed and restored in the life that you call us to pray lower that by your spirit these words I'm about to speak will point back to your word just read the word made flesh in jesus the christ for it is in his precious name that we that we pray amen in my youth minister days i would lead a weekly high school bible study in my home and i can still remember the week that we studied in matthew's gospel the passage that is our scripture lesson for this morning where toward the end of his earthly ministry, just before he was arrested and crucified on a cross, Jesus told a parable about a moment that for all of us will come. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the nations of the world will be gathered before the throne for the great judgment. The king will say to his sheep on the right, I was hungry and you gave me food, thirsty and you gave me drink, I was sick and you comforted me, I was naked and you gave me clothes, in prison and you visited me, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Enter into the joy of the kingdom in as much as you did it unto the least of these members of my family, you did it unto me. And then the king will turn to those on his left and say, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you ignored me in prison and you failed to visit me. Depart from me, you evil doers. It's a familiar parable of Jesus. This parable of the great judgment, sometimes referred to as the parable of the sheep and the goats and its message is clear. For each of us, one day, we will be judged. We shall be judged not on the quality of our church attendance, not on our ability to believe every proper doctrine, not on our good looks, not on our popularity. We shall be judged on how well we reached out to serve and to love those who are in need and marginalized and often forgotten. It's a parable that often causes us church folks some discomfort for it is all too easy for us to forget on what basis the king shall evaluate our discipleship. It's all too easy for us to get confused into thinking that Christian faith is about something other than our service toward our love for the least of these. Yet that night, years ago at that senior high Bible study, right after we read this parable, sitting there in my family room, an enthusiastic and good-hearted senior named Brent blurted out, I can do that. I said, "What? what, what was that you're saying, Brent? He said, I can do that. What Jesus was just getting at in the story Dennis, I thought that to please Jesus, you had to volunteer to be a missionary in Africa and know every story in the Bible and believe all the right beliefs. But a cup of cold water? I can do that. That's not a problem. I can't start a church or preach a sermon. I don't think I want to serve on session like my dad does. But I can visit someone who's sick. I can give a sandwich to someone who's hungry. I can do that. What a great night that was. It was a sacred moment to look at a familiar, to some of us, a familiar text of Scripture through the fresh eyes of a 17-year-old, one who wanted to live the Christian faith. Now let's be, let's be clear salvation and eternal life come as a free gift of god through christ's redemptive sacrifice it is a gift in expression of grace for all who claim it we don't earn our way into heaven we're into being loved by god god's love is free unearned unconditional yet the evidence of our faith our new life in christ is our actions and i, I want to say that again the evidence of our faith, of our new life in Christ, is our actions. Years ago, upon the death of Mother Teresa, a reporter from NPR was doing an interview with someone from her inner circle. The interviewer brought a more secular worldview and perspective to that conversation. She asked, what was it about Mother Teresa that made her so special? A close friend of hers answered, well, she really believed Matthew 25. What I do unto the least of you, I do unto Christ. She saw in the poor of Calcutta, Jesus himself. The interviewer said, no, no, what I want to know What was special about her? Was was she a great leader of of people? The friend said, no. In the least of these, she saw. And and then she was interrupted again. No, what was it about her? Was she a, a great manager, a great visionary? Her friend said, it's as simple as what I'm telling you. We don't need to make it more complicated in those who were poor and forgotten and devalued by others, she saw Christ. I wonder how much of our energy and attention is focused in our lives on the least of these. The magazines that I see at the checkout line at the grocery store, many of the people that the stories on the the cover of the newspaper that they focus on are are the rich and and the powerful, the well-positioned. Not always, of course, but most of the time, it seems that is where our energy and our attention goes. When we began our Lenten journey on Ash Wednesday, the disciples were arguing over who among them was the greatest. That's what their focus was. Who among us, Lord, us, disciples? Is the greatest Who is the best who's the brightest among us who of us most deserves that place of honor in contrast today Jesus says to love and care for and focus on the least the last and the lost I was in New York this past week for a doctor appointment and what struck me was the people that were in need that I did not see. Oh, they were there, laying on the sidewalk, outside the tunnel with a sign in their hand, huddled in a small patch of sunlight outside the subway entrance. But I did not see them, really see them, as someone's son, someone's daughter, someone made in God's image, someone within whom the spirit of Christ dwells. Do we look to see the image of Christ in every human that we see? Not just within those who are our peers, members of our family, our our church, our, our tribe. Do we look to see the image of Christ in everyone? One of the most striking details of this passage is that neither group knows who they are. It's what they have in common. Those on the right say, Lord, when did we see you and and, and feed you when you were hungry? Those on the left say, Lord, when did we fail to, to give you clothes when you were naked? Did you catch that? Both groups were surprised. They did not realize what they had done or what they had failed to do. What do you make of that? It makes me wonder how often we have a positive impact on another or a negative impact and never even know it. In Holy Week, and it begins just in seven days, in Holy Week, Jesus becomes the least of these and no one helps him. And of course, it would have been dangerous to help him. You likely would have ended up crucified too. The places where we live and, and work and go to school, it can sometimes be dangerous to help the person who is marginalized or oppressed, to help the least of these. The danger might be taking a risk socially putting how other people view you at risk. The danger might be economic. There might be a danger of needing to put your own schedule and convenience and needs aside for the needs of someone else. But is that a risk that we're called to take and a risk that we're willing to take? And I close with these three brief observations. First, Jesus calls us to serve in simple ways. He is not calling us to single-handedly fix everything that is broken in the world. Let's let God be God, and let's let God do that. But Christ is calling us to give a hungry person a meal, to extend hospitality to the stranger, to visit the neighbor who is sick, and those are things that all of us can do for our lord did not say i was sick and and you healed me i was in prison and 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 you got me released and some of us are called to work toward those ends as well but he said you visited me you came to me let us not make it more complicated than it is second jesus calls us to serve others Without calculating what we will gain from it. When the king says to the shepherd, to, says to the sheep gathered on his right, Come and receive the reward I have prepared for you, for I was hungry and you fed me, you, you did all these other acts of mercy for me. They respond by saying, Lord, are you sure about that? You might want to double check your notes. When did we visit you? When did we care for you? When did we embody mercy for you? Yet the attitude of those who failed to serve was, if if we had known it was you, Lord, we would have gladly helped, but we thought it was some common person who was not worth our effort. We didn't know it was you. I think of how our church owns a home that is used as a shelter, a safe house for women who are battered and their children we don't provide that house for the satisfaction that it gives us we provide that house for the safety that it gives to them i think of our god's co-op pantry how it provides hundreds of bags of food each month to help those who otherwise would not be able to put adequate food on their table Those who volunteer there speak of the joy and meaning they find in that ministry. Yet they do not serve for the satisfaction that it gives to them. They serve for the blessing that it will be to those whom they serve. So Jesus calls us to serve others in simple ways. He calls us to serve without calculating what we will get from it. And the third and final observation I want to make is when we serve others, it is Christ himself who we are serving. You might have heard of Martin of Tours, who was a Roman soldier who also happened to be a Christian. The story is told that one cold winter day as he was entering a city, a beggar stopped him and asked for whatever loose change he might have. Martin had no money, but the beggar was blue and shivering with cold, and Martin gave him what he had. He took off his soldier's coat, worn and frayed as it was. He cut it in two and gave one of those halves to the beggar. And that night, he had a dream. In that dream, he saw the heavenly places and all the angels and Jesus, in the midst of them and jesus was wearing half of a roman soldier's coat and one of the angels said to him master why are you wearing that battered old coat where did it come from and jesus softly answered my servant martin gave it to me serve others in simple ways serve others without calculating what we will gain from it and most important of all know that when we serve others it is christ himself whom we are serving if we get one thing right as a church one thing may it be learning how to love love our almighty god love each other and love our brothers and sisters outside these walls Including those who are hungry or thirsty or naked or without hope For in loving them and doing so in both word and in deed, We are loving our Lord himself May we bring the passion and receptiveness of 17 year old Brent when he said I can do that I can't start a church or preach a sermon. I I don't think I want to serve on session like my dad does. But I can visit someone who is sick. I can make a sandwich for someone who's hungry. I can offer a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty. I can do that.